Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, there's pizza at work. A bunch of pizza pies. Even I was like, ooh, there's pizza? And everyone's like, got this devilish little treat. Oh, there's pizza. You ever notice that when there's pizza, it's like a it's it's people react like it's some sort of exotic delicacy. It's the most commonplace food in the world. I can basically see six pizza places outside. They're all over the place, every corner in New York City almost. And uh, yet we still react like it's some sort of uh, ooh dirty little special treat. So unusual. It's not. Uh, but uh, whatever. Um, what kind of. Uh, I do not understand anybody, though, in the world, and I'm not a big pizza snob. Uh, there are people in New York City who still get Pizza Hut pizza and Domino's pizza. There does seem something fundamentally wrong with that kind of inclination. That's what you do when you're in Phoenix, uh, not when you're in New York. Oh, and uh, Arizona, we want to congratulate Carrie Lake. Can we congratulate her yet? They certainly would if she were a uh, a rhino Republican or a Democrat with these kinds of numbers. She's in the lead by like two points. They're still counting, I guess. But there's no way uh, a challenger with the number of votes that are in right now, the percentages, you can't make this up. You can't. What's her name? Uh, Corinne Taylor Robson. Very nice person. But uh, Carrie Lake is an outright superstar. And it looks to me like she's going to be the next governor of Arizona. Isn't it strange, by the way, to have all these primaries in August? I, why? When did we start doing that? You, they're in September. They're in. Uh, they're in the fall. New York City is doing the same dirty little trick. This is so that the people in power can choose their voters, not that the voters can choose the people they want to have power. And it's been going on for a long time. In New York City, primary day was always in September. It was like the the second Tuesday of the month. Oh, you have Labor Day, then the next Tuesday, and then Wednesday back to school, and then the following Tuesday would be the primary. It was like that uh, for a very, very long time. And then, well, they started switching it, and now it's in June. It actually coincides with the last day of school. Everybody is thinking about other stuff. The media, they, we have certain patterns, and it, it, they're not healthy, but... Basically, and people, I think, have the same patterns. You really start paying attention to politics in the fall. And to have this in June, that's a dirty trick. To have the primary in August, I think that's also a dirty trick. Meant to keep the people out of it to the greatest extent you can. Uh, is the vote in the on the up and up? Well, not any, no election doesn't have a little bit of fraud. And now I think the whole damn system is more susceptible than ever. These voter drop boxes give me a break. Uh, we don't have that here, as far as I know. We better not uh, voting. First, you got to vote in person. You you vote in person. They got to check your signature. They got to do all this stuff to just drop it off. 
in not a regular mailbox, but in a special, like, drop your ballots here. Isn't that isn't that a problem? I mean, mailboxes are metal on purpose, so you can't see what's inside. Advertising to the world inside here are sacred ballots. And I just think that's obviously a problem. You know, even with the security of the mail system, and they've got postal inspectors, they've got uh, the FBI has a as a unit looking at uh, problems with the mail all the time they have since the beginning of the FBI. They even have a crime. It's called mail fraud. And they get people on it all the time. All the time. Not meaning to say that, you know, you can't trust the mail, uh, but you can also trust that there will be people all the time trying to screw with it, just like there will be people trying to screw with the election. And I think so many of them, so many of those corrupt, Democrat officials, they feel like they have the moral green light to do so because of Trump, because he must be stopped. And because the media have said day in and day out for five years that this guy is an existential threat to uh, to democracy, to uh, civilization, uh, to the planet Earth. So you have normal people, actually, who have fallen prey to the propaganda. You know, I, I saw a judge uh, in Washington, D.C., she just sentenced some guy who was at the Capitol, didn't hurt anybody, didn't break anything, didn't go inside the Capitol, uh, but he did have a gun on him, and this judge lectured the guy, I am sending you to prison, you are not a patriot, you are a threat to democracy. The police that day, they were the protectors of democracy, you are a scumbag, and, okay, relax, okay? Seven-plus years in jail for this guy. Meanwhile, you got lawyers out there who bombed New York City police cars, who are still free, who are not in jail. That guy's been in jail since January of 2021. It's the stiffest sentence yet. Uh, Seven years and three months, I think he's going to get. And parole, they don't mess around. And the judge, I was really disturbed. Man, it's, we don't have a, I don't know what the alternative is, but there's way too much discretion and there's way too much variance from jurisdiction, federal, state, local. You know, if you get charged with one thing, it depends where you are. Uh, just look at all those rioters uh, here. Months, months, police were dealing with rioters, looters. Basically, 99.9% of them, even the ones who arrested, were like, eh, no problem, forget about it. It never happened. It never happened. Cyrus Vance, the woke district attorney, uh, before Alvin Bragg showed up, he was he was as woke as they come. Uh, I guess uh, I guess uh, this one, Alvin Bragg, though he takes the cake. All right, Nancy Pelosi is out of China. Uh, was it worth it, Nancy? I don't think so. Uh, cut one, please. Ahead of the stop, the Chinese government continued to ramp up their warnings, saying it undermines China's sovereignty and security. We hope U.S. officials will clearly understand the importance and sensitivity of the issue and how dangerous it would be if the visit actually happens. The Chinese claim Taiwan as their own, and there are concerns Beijing could use the visit as a pretext to ramp up military action in the area. Wow. Nancy Pelosi... um, is a dangerous person, very foolish, dangerous. She's so foolish. By the way, what the hell does she have? Is she, why does she get an airplane? I pointed this out. This is the big scandal of the whole thing. Nancy Pelosi gets an official United States Air Force jet that she can take wherever she wants. She is all over the map. She's kind of, well, listen to this. She's just 
she's lost it. She's like Joe Biden. Cut five. The other thing that we're getting are we're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's most of the product that we've done is now we, we may have added in the last day or so. And some of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me. Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill. All that stuff. Um, so some is Senate oriented. And then we have the family medical need. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in, if, even if. Manchin doesn't. What is she going to say in uh, Taiwan? So we're getting some bird and privilege. I think I think mostly we're getting privilege scrub because privilege drug is deadly to a bill. Bird ball. It's important. It's you have to take it out. But privilege (laughs) violation can take you out. Whoa. Uh, All right. Obvious. That's just total gibberish uh, from beginning to end. And she's going around the around the world representing us, quote-unquote, representing us. If Joe Biden was a leader, if he had clout, if he had the backing of his own party or the backing of the American people, he could have stopped this, but he didn't. You know, Paul Ryan, everybody knew who was in charge. Donald Trump. Uh, Paul Ryan did a lot to, uh, well, and that's the way it should be. The president, the president, I know, co-equal branches of government. But Nancy Pelosi is not the leader of the legislative branch, okay? She is the Speaker of the House. There is more to it than just, well, there's Mitch McConnell, and there's uh, there's Senator Schumer. There's the Senate. So she's not uh, the leader of one-third of our government or anything like that. Just, and I'm sorry, but you got to, <laughs> you got to respect the Chinese in this. Um, I'm on our side. I hate the Chinese Communist Party, but what did we get out of sending that idiot over there? That's you, Nancy, I mean, just to be clear. Who's this? The Chinese ambassador to the U.S.? Oh, boy, he's really mad. Cut six. China has every right to defend its sovereignty and its territorial integrity. We are fully justified to do what we must. The current situation is created purely by the U.S. side. So, of course... It has to bear the responsibilities. All right. So now that Nancy is back, what the hell are they going to do? They're mad. They got more than a billion people. They have a very strong military. They're not screwing around with all this woke transgender stuff. You know what their military thinks about? Defeating America. That's what they're consumed with. You know, in so many ways, we, America, the military especially, lost its way when we beat Russia. We beat the Soviet Union. It was awesome. I'm glad we did it. But after that, there was drift. What do we stand for? Who are we? What do we do next? Nobody really nobody really knew. And the military declined in many ways. And the quality of people in the military. There's some fantastic people. Look, I served. And the military has always had this problem. But to really get far in the military... You think you got to be a leader, right? Um, it helps, kind of, maybe, but not too much of a leader because who gets the promotion? I mean, really, right? The yes man. Okay, you got to suck up to the boss. And how do you suck up to the boss? Sometimes by telling the boss exactly what he or she wants to hear. And what were U.S. military generals telling the American people, their boss, or especially members of Congress, about what was happening in Iraq and Afghanistan for all those years, right up until the time we lost. Remember? Oh, we're doing great. Oh, this military is standing up. Oh, here they are. You're, everybody you're about to hear is either a general 
or an admiral. These clips go all the way back to 2004 and all the way up to 2021. Because you know what happened in Afghanistan, right? The Afghan military that we were they were swearing to us, they're doing great, they're amazing, they're brave. We're taking the fight to the enemy. Yeah, we're uh we're standing down so they can stand up. Well, it was all a bunch of lies. The Afghan military folded in about 6 minutes. And here we go. Thanks a lot, guys. Generals and admirals of the United States military spinning us, lying to us. Cut 40. I think uh, that the development of the Afghan army is on a very good path right now. We've made tremendous strides, incredible progress in the last 20 months. The solid partnership has been the thing that has been really striking for me all around the country. It's fair to ask if we're winning in Afghanistan. I believe the answer is yes, and several facts allow me to say that with confidence. And we've seen some great, great uh, progress in some of the operations based even at the tactical level on the intelligence uh, structure. They showed me the positive changes they have helped bring about, the villages they can now enter, and the Afghan police and forces they are training and trying to improve. Year after year, that was the message, always. Sir, yes, sir, we're doing great, making progress. The Afghan military, oh, yeah, we're training them, training them. Yep, 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 yes, men. Yes, men and women, that's how you do it. Four stars. What do you do? Who do you say yes to when you got four stars? Congress, the president. Yep, 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 yep. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, we're doing great. Oh, we're doing great. Don't be one of those guys. Don't ever be one of those pushover wimps. Yeah, they got a lot of medals on their chest. But, uh, and you know, I'm sorry, but some of those guys got those medals just by being kiss asses. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm talking about the generals. And there are some good ones. There are some, very few. I'd say 5% of them. 5%. Maybe. Maybe. Now, when you say yes to your boss, it's not a matter of life and death. With these guys, it is. With these guys, it is. All right, is Zawahiri really dead, that guy? Is this still news? I'll just point out that, well, listen to this just for a moment. He, when Joe Biden speaks of Zawahiri, he's not speaking with a whole heck of a lot of passion, is he? Huh? Cut uh, 35. He was deeply involved in the planning of 9-11, one of the most responsible for the attacks that murdered 2,977 people on American soil. For decades, he was the mastermind behind attacks against Americans, he carved a trail of murder and violence against American citizens, American service members, American diplomats, and American interests. Oh, man, I hate it when these guys mess with American interests. Where's the, where's the spark? You know, Zawahiri, there were reports, I showed him last night on my Newsmax show, that he was dead in 2008. Another report said he was dead in 2012. In 2016, several reports in 2020 was he really dead or was Joe Biden really just looking for a victory? Maybe he died a long time ago because Joe was not speaking with fire. Let's hear him speak with fire, something he's truly passionate about, hating Trump and hating January 6th. Cut 36. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. Those who stormed this Capitol and those who instigated and incited and those who called on them to do so held a dagger at the throat of America. The defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. 
while he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval you see? hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded <laughs> by carnage. <laughs> January 6th, the guys with the horn that, horns hat. Zawahiri undermined American interests. January 6th, the blood, the carnage. Wow, we got a problem. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, when Joe Biden uh, kills a terrorist, everybody's happy. When when Donald Trump killed a terrorist, the fake news tried to say, what a bad thing he did. What a terrible thing he did. The world is less safe with that dead terrorist. I'm not kidding. They said it. I was astonished. I remember something. I was like, wait, why was there pushback? There was, why, why are they making this a negative issue for Trump? I barely noticed it when it happened. It was in January of 2020. It took out Soleimani, that, um, that crazy Iranian um, uh, weapons uh, merchant of death. Really bad guy, Soleimani. But somehow, when Trump gave the order to kill the guy when he was uh, at Baghdad Airport... Everybody tried to say that this was somehow a bad thing. Uh, cut 33, please. Listen to this. He ki- Remember, he killed an enemy of America, a guy who had killed Americans, a legitimate target, but they said, no, 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 all wrong. Donald Trump got it all wrong by killing this bad guy. Cut 33. Killing Soleimani would not have stopped an imminent attack any more than, I guess, killing Eisenhower would have stopped D-Day. Is it safer today? Or was it safer before Soleimani was killed? Just just speaking today in terms of those Americans. Yeah, it was safer before Soleimani was killed. They don't defend Soleimani, but they also don't think that a president should be an imperial president and just assassinate people whenever he damn well feels like it when there's not an imminent threat. Isn't that kind of wild? I showed it to Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly last night. He was on my show. Great, great guy. I told Bill that he really did. He changed the world. He changed the world as far as um, news talk on television. Bill O'Reilly started it, and, um, and I think we're all better. I think we're all better. I know I'm better off. I, 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 I do, and he's made such a contribution. But anyway, listen to how they treat, again, killing a terrorist. That's a good deal. That's a good thing, right? And um, uh, Except if it's Trump. Of course, if it's Biden. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but let's keep it in check. Uh, cut 31. President Biden scored a key strategic victory after an unmanned drone strike in Afghanistan took out al-Qaeda leader Ayman el-Zwahari. The Biden administration can point to this as a, as a success story. That is a victory for America, uh, but a victory, of course, led by President Biden and our intelligence community. All right. Um, that's fine. That's how you would think people would react. Oh, wait a second. That last guy, though, that's Hakeem Jeffries. This has got to be, gosh, now this is something they should be making fun of him on the nighttime shows, Jimmy Fallon, all that stuff. He's the guy. The last voice you heard uh, was Hakeem Jeffries, congressman from Brooklyn. (laughs) And now that we got this al-Qaeda leader gone, we can go back to worrying about the real threat that America faces. Right, Hakeem? Cut 32. The threat right now in this country to the American people are extreme MAGA Republicans. That's the threat. That's the problem. That's the crisis that we confront. Extreme MAGA 
Republicans. Wow. I guess he's talking about me again. I'm, a, I'm MAGA. I am totally MAGA. I'm not a Republican, but uh, I am uh, I'm more MAGA than most Republicans, so he must be talking about me. Uh, so that brings me back to uh, the whole Zawahiri thing. I think he may have been uh, dead for a long time. Uh, Joe Biden needed a victory. Uh, again, when when they reported the news that he was dead, I'm like, I know I've heard this before. I'm not. And uh, I looked it up. I found the Brookings Institute said he was dead. The New York Post said he was dead at one point. Um, CBS News said he was dead. And this, this is uh, from uh, India TV. Cut 30. No, wait. Uh, give me, where is that thing? Where's the one? Where's the one? Ah, cut 29. We saw some breaking news coming in. According to Arab News reports, the chief of al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawahiri, has died in Afghanistan. The 69-year-old Egyptian national who was hitting al-Qaeda has reportedly died of natural causes. All right. That was in uh, November of 2020. So who did they really kill in Afghanistan? Did they kill anybody? I am not convinced. No DNA evidence. You know, when we got bin Laden, we got his body. And they checked the DNA. And they also sent the, they took a picture of him. And they sent that picture right to the White House. They actually showed it to uh, Barack Obama. And one of the, in a decent moment of his presidency, he didn't have many, he talked about seeing that picture. We'll have that when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Did you hear that commercial about if you're high, you probably shouldn't be driving? Because you do everything different when you're high. You uh, you act different. You uh, listen to music differently. You, you play music differently. I think of a story that I was... Uh, Nile Rogers. you know him? He's chic. He plays the guitar in that uh, Get Lucky song. He's brilliant, absolutely. He does the song uh, Freak Out, remember that? And I Want Your Love. The guy's done a million hits. Very talented. He's uh, clean and sober. Has been for decades. One day he uh, he performed, and actually it was the next day... And the guy who was running the event said, uh, did you listen to last night? And he's like, no, no, you got a recording of it? And they're like, yeah, I, I do, actually. You should hear it. And Nile Rodgers, who was convinced he had a great concert, listens to this. And it's like, wait a second, that's me? It sounded terrible. And uh, to him, at least, he, I'm sure it was great to the ordinary person, but uh, he realized he wasn't his best when he was drunk or high, so uh, he got clean. And uh, went on to some of the most productive decades of his career. I mean, that guy's got to be 70-plus years old, and he's still putting out hits. Some of these guys, you know, why, why is it that the Rolling Stones haven't had a hit in decades? You know, why is it just a small number of years? Now, some musicians can keep that creativity going. I think um, a lot of them just cash in, and they want to party or something like that. I don't know. But good for uh, Nile Rodgers. And uh, let's see. Hey, I was watching. <laughs> well, how can you miss it? A drag contest on TV. What What are they competing to do exactly? I'll say this about all the drag queens I've been seeing lately. They have no talent whatsoever. They just walk up the runway and put their hand on their hip and everybody goes nuts. They don't do anything. No, nothing. They don't juggle. They don't play the guitar. They just nothing. They're just sashaying with attitude this is miriam grossman what the hell is going on cut 22 please we're not saying that these teachers want to have sex with the kids although that does happen occasionally as well what we're saying is that they're being groomed they're being recruited 
into believing a certain radical worldview that their parents do not agree with. And often the worldview is a dangerous one. For example, the idea that people can transition from one sex to the other. Kids are being taught by some teachers that men can have babies and that boys menstruate. And this is dangerous. This is a dangerous ideology because it's not true. Only women have babies, and we all know that a woman is an adult human female. Yes, we do. It's kind of amazing that that's considered edgy content right there, what you just heard. Imagine if we played that 30 years ago, 10 years ago. Like, well, why the hell would anybody have to go to the trouble of saying that? But that's actually considered kind of kind of edgy. Now, the stuff that she's talking about is different from the whole drag queen phase. Drag queens have been around for a long time, but the drag queen story hour going into the fourth grade and gathering the kids around, who would want to do that? I wouldn't want to do that. I got things to do. I'm an adult. Let teachers do that. (laughs) Right? Let teachers teach. Uh, The drag queens going in. What? And and again, no talent. No talent. Oh, speaking of no talent, uh, Eric Adams was uh, out last night. Uh, This time he wasn't at a... Well, it was. It was a block party up in Harlem because it's the, what is it, uh, take a bite out of crime night? And uh, what was he saying? Cut 26. That our streets belong to our children and our families. And when we come out, we send a strong message that we're not going to surrender our public safety. Wow. Wow. Just another, just more words. That's all he's got. That's the thing about him. That's all he's got. That, uh, he ties a hell of a tie. And he wears uh, he wears those skinny suits, but that's it. It's going to be a long three and a half years. We'll see what happens. Ralph is on the phone in Pennsylvania. Ralph, hello. Yeah, how you doing? Good. Uh, I'm a, a retired police officer in New York City. I uh, graduated with your dad in March one sixty seven. No kidding. Uh, yeah. From the academy, huh? That's right. Five hundred of us graduated. They took us out in the middle of the, I know you mentioned once before, in the middle of the uh, our, uh, you know, process, they took us out and put us in the street. And I just want to say is when we went in the street, we had no vest, we had no helmets, we had a 38 and a nightstick. That was it. But you know something? Not like in Florida, when we got shots fired, a man with a gun, we went in. We didn't stop, we didn't hesitate, we went right in. It's gotten really yeah. weird lately, right? With this, uh, yeah. yeah, Cole County for backup. Do this, do that. Right. I mean, just, yeah. In, 19, in 1969, just let you know, 1969 Martin Luther King riots, we didn't even have helmets. We had to go to the Bedford Armory, and they gave us National Guard helmets to wear. Because we, and, no, and no vest, no equipment. We didn't have any equipment at the time. So, and listen, we, I, remember, I remember, you're right, my dad, they took him out of the academy, and you too, to actually handle riots and stuff like that, and you got the year right as well. Do you remember my dad at all, specifically? You know what? I was It was a class of 500, and they were broken into approximately about 40 guys in each class. I was in a Brooklyn class. Your father was right, from Long Island, Manhattan. Uh, where was he from? Uh, at the time, he was living in Queens. Queens. So he was in a group from the Queens group. But we were all, I mean, we were all in the same academy, but different classes. And yeah. they broke it up in height and, and, and borough. Well... Uh, I'm, I'm glad you called. I, uh, you know, he writes about the police academy and his experience in his uh, book Vigilance. And by the way, you may have seen him on stage because he graduated number one 
out of all those 500 uh, cadets, he got the Bloomingdale Trophy for overall highest average. And there's an interesting picture of the police commissioner giving him an award, which is a 38 handgun. The, the, the trophy was a gun, and he's giving it to him in a box. And you see, you know, the police commissioner and a future police commissioner. Ralph, uh, what'd you do? Uh, how long were you in the police department? I was on uh, 20 years. Excellent, excellent. What do you do now? Well, you're you got to well, right be. Right now, I'm a retired. I'm retired in Pennsylvania, and of uh, what we call personal trainer, physical fitness. Even though I'm 77 years old. Wow. I, right? Really? You know, it's it's funny. Just to, if I, at that time, we didn't have any females, and we had a height requirement, and we had a group called TPF, Tactical Patrol Force. And in order to be on that group, in that group, you had to be over six feet tall. So the average guy was 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, Whenever there was a riot, those buses pulled up with TPF written on the side. You didn't even have to do anything. When those guys yeah. got off the bus with that big nightstick and they were 6'1", six, 6'2", six, everybody ran. And you didn't have a problem. Yeah, they not... did away with it because they said it was too Gestapo-ish. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. You look at this scene. I played it on the show last night. Uh, everybody running up to the cops who are trying to arrest somebody. And um, they had no support from the public. People yelling and screaming and throwing rocks and bottles and punching them. Cut 27. Listen to this. It's all kind of background pandemonium. Now, while this is going on, Eric Adams is coming up with uh, new traffic, new speed cameras. Thanks a lot. That's really what the people are looking for right now. You're really helping out things, huh? Hey, another thing. When I mentioned this before, hey, thanks, Ralph. Um, when Obama, when Bin Laden was shot and killed by SEAL Team Six, well, they took the body out of there. You know that they buried him at sea. Did you know that? It's kind of it's kind of interesting. They flew him to an aircraft carrier, and they had a Muslim burial, and they threw him overboard. So he's buried at sea. Um, but they took a picture of him. And they emailed it right to the president of the United States. He was asked about it uh, a day or so later on 60 Minutes, cut 30. Photographs had been taken. Um, facial analysis indicated that, in fact, it was him. Uh, we hadn't yet done DNA testing, uh, but at that point we were 95% sure. Did you see the pictures? Yes. What was your reaction when you saw them? It was him. It was him. Man, I'd love to see those pictures. Huh? I'm sorry, but I would. I like to see the pictures of uh, Zawahiri all dead, but I am not convinced that that was Zawahiri at that compound in Afghanistan. I'm just not. All these reports of him dying of asthma five years ago, and all of a sudden, Joe Biden, who's uh, down on his luck president, everything's going wrong. Uh, Nancy's in Taiwan. No one's listening to him. Nobody likes him. Nobody respects him. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they take out uh, this number two guy from Al-Qaeda. I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. Are you? Hey, one other thing. Um, regarding China and Taiwan, why didn't Joe Biden get on the friend and tell the president of China that Nancy's an idiot, don't take her seriously, we'll get through this. After all, Joe is pretty tight with the president of China, remember? Got 41. I spent time, more time with Xi Jinping than any world leader has. Over 76 hours, we traveled 17,000 miles. I will note in my comments, I've met more with Xi Jinping than any other world leader has. 
I was in the Tibetan Plateau with Xi Jinping. I traveled with him and spent more time with him than any other world leader has in China. All right. What good is that doing anybody if you can't talk the Chinese uh, you know, out of this panic attack that they're in the middle of because Nancy Pelosi and all of her wisdom went to Taiwan, which has infuriated them. But that's where your relationship would uh, come into play, don't you think? Maybe just a little bit. No, no. You know, the only thing that happened when Joe Biden was getting to know President Xi, President Xi was getting to know Joe Biden, sizing him up, seeing all of his vulnerabilities and limitations. And there are many. He is vulnerable. He is limited intellectually, physically. And, oh, by the way, he's totally compromised. China, you know, if I know all about Hunter Biden going on Air Force Two to China with then Vice President Biden, his father, and meeting Mr. Lee at that hotel in uh, Shanghai and having his father, the Vice President of the United States, come to the lobby to have a coffee with this individual, that just doesn't happen. Okay, these things, money, it's about money. 10% for the big guy. Joe Biden set up an office, the office of Joe Biden. All right. It did pretty well, did very well, actually, when he was a senator. Then it did amazingly well when he was a vice president. Then it did even better, actually, when he was ex-vice president. But then it took a hit, started to decline. And then back in business, kind of. It's different now. There is a lot of scrutiny. There is a lot of heat. Um, that's why he went into the painting business all of a sudden. Um, Juan in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hi, Juan. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Fine, fine. What's up? Well, first of all, Biden had about as much to do with killing Zawahiri as I did. But let's assume <laughs> that he did have a role in it. If he gets all the credit for offing Zawahiri because of his place involvement doesn't he have to take the blame for french frying those that that entire family during the evacuation of afghanistan i mean if he's the guy driving the drone with the joystick and you know putting the sights on target and giving the orders i mean he 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 blamed them out too didn't he uh yeah that you make a good point let's not say french frying the family though okay my chief whiz juan but you know what you take the credit you got to take the blame as well And that was horrendously botched, Juan. I keep reminding people on my show. I keep showing the footage. of all. Remember the chaos on the runway? He's responsible for all that stuff. Anyway, good point, Juan. Anything else going on down there? No, it's hot. My AC's out. Uh, Damn, that is tough. Uh, Sorry about that. All right. It's a first world problem. People in the third world have air conditioning too. It's in the, you know, I've been all over the world, air conditioning. I was thinking about this the other day. How did they do it in the revolutionary times, in the 1700s? You know how hot it's been in New York. What was it like when there was no no respite from, from that? Thank God we're alive now, you know? Thanks, Juan. And uh, oh, give me a break. I'll be right back. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I'm over the offer on Paramount TV. I was really into it. Last night I watched uh, two episodes, and I'm like, you know what? Enough of this stuff. It's very repetitive. It's gotten tedious. Every episode's the same thing. You know, I mean, they it's just a new problem. Every episode, we know The Godfather is going to be made, all right? We know the movie comes together, and it's a classic, and it's Amer- it's awesome, and it's the mo- story of Al Ruddy and how he produced it. They're making all kinds of things up, which I'm okay with. This is, uh, you know, it's a little bit, it's a true story, but it's also fantasy land, and they got a story to tell, and they got to make it work, and it was working for me for the first three episodes, and then it's like, okay, I get it now, and there are, I got like seven episodes to go. Every episode, there's a new problem. You know, um, Al, we, we can't get Al Pacino for the role. Oh, my God. Um, uh, Coppola is going to quit. Oh, my God. Robert Evans doesn't like Brando. Oh, my God. You know, oh, the mob is giving us a hard time. There's just a new problem, and then they overcome it. And then just before the end of the episode, another problem pops up. It's very formulaic, I think is the word. And also, it's really kind of getting on my nerves that it's obviously not shot in New York. Okay, it's 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 shot in Los Angeles, or uh, it, it's all fake stuff. And I, I can ignore that; I can put it out of my mind. But it just started kind of catching up with me. You know, I just I, I I don't know. There, I know the hotel is located on 60th Street. Then I see a big stupid sign that says 51st Street. That kind of stuff makes me mad uh i also saw that they're shooting in front of um uh best in company which is i think is where the trump tower is now and the size of fifth avenue is like a sidewalk i mean it's like the narrowest little street in europe you've ever seen and that's supposed to be fifth avenue things like that i'm just over it and i'm so glad it's liberating i stayed up till midnight watching this show Midnight, I could have been reading books. I could have been talking to my wife. I could have been, but I wanted to watch, and I'm not doing it anymore. I am done with that show. I am done with shows. Enough of this stuff. Wasting all, how many trillions of hours are we throwing away watching these shows? Hey, I got to tell you, I got home. I was excited. I could, oh, I'll watch an episode. Oh, I'll watch another episode. And then I just had this epiphany as I was like, you know what? Uh, no. No, no, no. They're screwing with me. They're literally screwing with our minds. There's a book called Irresistible by some NYU professor. They actually know how to loop you in and when to get you so you'll want to watch the next episode. It's this little chart they follow, okay? They have the little, you know, when is the suspenseful moment? They know exactly when to place it. It's a formula, and it's no good. I'm not playing big tech Hollywood games anymore, okay? Uh, I, I I shouldn't be angry about it. You know, they're creative people, and they tried, and uh, I guess uh, some people find uh, real escapism in this stuff, but I think, what the hell are we trying to escape from? It's like Juan said, uh, you know, first world problems. We got, a, we got other people. We got real people in our lives. Let's engage them. Why am I engaging this guy? And then I have this, it, it, not a fantasy, but this conversation in my head. You know, when I meet the director, I'll make this observation about the movie, and that'll, you know, I, I, who can, I'm not going to meet that director. It doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters. We got real world stuff going on that matters. Like, we have to stop the corruption of our kids. We have to bring safety back to New York and America. 
hey, I hear Eric Adams was going to have some sort of big public safety announcement. I can't tell what happened. I did see that they gave $5 million to the Hip Hop Museum. And the idea is uh, some of that money is going to be used. It'll be like that gun buyback thing. Instead of guns, we'll put instruments in the hands of children. Just the latest gimmick. Nothing. He, he has no real ideas. This stuff, the real things that are going to turn this city around, it's like it's hard work behind closed doors. It's it's boring. It's administrative it's the devil is in the details. You know, it's just the drudgery of governance. And he doesn't want to do any of that stuff. It's not fun. He just wants to be at a microphone and saying stuff about speed cameras and uh, take a bite out of crime. And we're not going to stand for this anymore. That's it. That's all he's got. Pat is in Nutley, New Jersey. Yes. Hi, Pat. Hey, hey, Greg. Hi. Uh, I just want to comment. I didn't know if, if you noticed, but what struck me about uh, the video down in the subway where the the cop was uh, being assaulted by by that kid at one juncture when they they went into like a divider or a gate or something. The kid actually, to me, it looked like he had had the cop in, in chokehold. Choke yeah, yeah. I, I haven't heard anything about that. I saw that. I was. I was just amazed that the cop was able to get up and get out of that, that chokehold. I, I was really scared for him and that these, these uh, kids on the street are, are willing to do that to the police officers. It's just uh, unbelievable. To the police. To the police. Yeah, a chokehold. That's where the overreaction to George Floyd, Eric Garner, that's where it's brought us. Now the criminals are putting cops in chokeholds, and somehow the sympathy uh, for a lot of people is with the criminals somehow. Did you see the video of the parade? They're all cheering on and they're deriding the cops. They're they're cheering each other on as they're throwing rocks and bottles at the cop. Hey, something else about that, you know, because we've been hearing how systemically racist we are. Something else I noticed about that cop getting beat up. He happened to be black. And that's what a lot of white liberals don't understand, have never understood about the police department, who comprises the, the, the police, where they come from, who they actually are. The police been a haven of, of, of racial harmony for a very, very, very long time. I remember as a kid, uh, gosh, what was that guy's name? The, I, I, I went to special operations. I got a ride on a motorcycle. He can't do this anymore. I must have been five years old. Uh, my dad's buddy was this uh, great guy, happened to be black. They were. It, it was just we didn't make a big deal out of it. It was understood now, you know what part of, you know what I've, I'm really benefited from, I realize, in part growing up in Baldwin before I moved to Garden City and also Sesame Street. Damn, Sesame Street was a good show. Who remembers Gordon and Bob, the coolest guys in the world? Gordon, you know, the cool black guy and Bob, the the the, the white guy, kind of cool, too. Not as cool as Gordon, though. Gordon had an apartment in the city. And um, but anyway, I just. We put ourselves in this artificial position. We are so much better than what the media are saying about us. Uh, hey, did you notice how much blood was uh, in that footage as well? If you look closely, you can see the guy's face is all bloody. It was, yeah, uh, yeah it was something to see. All right, Pat, thank I, you. What? I just wanted to say, too, the other officers down there as well were all officers of color, and uh, the one female officer, she was battling with the uh, 
the female that was jumping in and punching the cop, other cop as well. So uh, it's very interesting. It's one of the reasons why the video was not bigger. I mean, it was kind of big, but it wasn't exactly a viral video because they couldn't put their horrible racial spin on it. Know what I mean? So um, that, uh, yeah, doesn't go with their narrative. Anyway, Pat, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's almost 2 o'clock. Quick reset. Be right back. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, this is awesome. I love it. I love it when I pick the winner. I love it. Uh, I haven't done this too many times where I strike up a, uh, you know, like a personal relationship with a candidate. But when I have, I go with my friends. All right. I don't informally endorse anybody, but I guess I can't do that. But uh I've known Dr. Oz since 2014 years. I've known that guy. Great man, all around cool guy. I like him a lot. I also like him on the issues, and uh, I trust him. And uh, I was like kind of tweeting up a storm about him and supporting him during the um, uh, the primary uh, contest. Not officially, but you know, I he was my favorite, and he won. And uh, now uh, someone else that I know and like, not well, actually, I don't think I've ever met her in person, but uh, Carrie Lake is now the Republican nominee for governor in Arizona. Uh, She won the damn thing and uh, good for her. Former newscaster for a Fox affiliate in Phoenix. She was uh, very well known throughout the state, kind of like the Rosanna Scotto of uh, Arizona. And she took the plunge, the big plunge into politics and turned out to be an incredible, just natural at it. I mean, more than a natural, just like super talented, super human, uh, the way she presents and the, her convictions. And I think she's right on the issues. And anyway, she won. And this is a big deal, bigger than I even realized. I mean, all the money, all the establishment, they were all against her. The John McCain establishment, all the, I think she was outspent significantly. Uh, she was up against a, a billionaire, and it's just great. Uh, the fake news doesn't like her. That's another reason to like her. Uh, do we have this uh, Vaughn Hilliard guy? We, okay, here's a fake news. Even on her victory night, they're, they're busting her chops. Listen to this. You're ordering, contending that there's irregularities and there is fraud in this election. At what point does Kerry Lake stop and say, am I undermining American faith in our election? I can't hear a damn thing. Well, Sorry. Laid out any fraud or but what fraud is there, Kerry? What fraud is there? This is serious. No, I, and this is about Arizona voters and their faith in this election. I can't really hear what the hell's going on. And yet you're not affording it to authorities. Oh my god, Bunny Hilliard, oh my god. You're already contending that there's irregularities and there is fraud in this election. At what point does Kerry Lake Alright, that's it's looping now. It's looping now. Um faith in our democracy. They're trying to make it a crime, literally, to say, hey, we may have a problem here with our elections. Maybe it's not such a great idea to have a box on the corner that says, put your ballots here. And have it unguarded 24 hours a day. Anybody can walk up to it and do whatever the hell they want to it. 
It's, you know, is it anti-American to talk about mail fraud? No. Would you put something super, super duper sensitive in the mail? Maybe. I mean, if it were extremely valuable, you'll have to, you know, maybe insurance, maybe this, that, and the other thing. Or maybe it's so sensitive, you hand deliver it. You can't even trust it to the post office, right? People make that choice all the time. Uh, We've got postal inspectors because we know people are always messing with the mail. Taking precautions, raising questions about... (laughs) Well, you don't have to raise questions about it. It happens all the time. Every single day, someone's charged with mail fraud. Voter fraud? Ooh, be careful. There's no evidence! How dare you undermine our faith in our democracy? I'm not undermining faith in any... Democracy is great. There are some people who will screw around with it. Vaughn. Man, that guy. You know, he interviewed... He said he interviewed like 12 people that Carrie Lake knew. And um, only one would go on the record. Guess who it was? Her former HR director. You know, the HR person. Human Resources. And the worst thing, and she did not like, it it looked like, at least for the interview, she didn't like Carrie, but what could she say? She said, Carrie wants what Carrie wants. Carrie wants what Carrie wants. That was the big bombshell. I mean, doesn't that apply to everybody in the world? I mean, I know they're trying to make it sound like she's pushy or, well, you know, her way or the highway, whatever. That's like, that's life. You got to be a little bit pushy. But uh, Carrie wants what Carrie wants. Greg wants what Greg wants. Kevin wants what Kevin wants. That's fine. Um, so they were out together. She won. She triumphed. And that's a beautiful thing. And this is the way democracy is actually supposed to work. She was a newcomer to politics. 27 years. She covered. She was a uh, broadcast journalist. That's great. She had expertise and accomplishment in a field apart from politics. That's what our founding fathers wanted. Okay. You could be a candlestick maker. You're good at it. Okay. You got the bandwidth, you got the time, you got the you got a little bit of cushion. Now run for something. No, so many people have run for something as a way to get the cushion. And it's really not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be like what's that guy's name again? He used to be fat, now he's still fat but smaller. What is his name? Jerry Nadler. He's been a congressman since uh when the late eighties, the early nineties, and uh it's Starting to show, by the way. Where is this? He doesn't know where he is in a debate. Cut 49, please. This is Jerry Nadler, who's up against Carolyn Maloney uh, and about 15 other candidates because they're redistricting. Cut 49, please. I am leading the fight to, uh, to stop this. And, that, and I have passed the uh, two impeachments. In, my, in leading this, I've impeached uh, Bush twice. I've passed the uh, the strongest, and on other subjects, I've passed the strongest gun control legislation in 30 years. I've passed the Respect for Marriage Act to uh, codify the right of uh, marriage equality, whatever the Supreme Court says. And I've passed the assault weapons ban. Um, so I hope the voters of the, uh, of the, uh, on August 23rd will vote for me so I can t- continue working for them. Wow. Continue work. And all those results, all these results, right? Since 1992, all the things he's done to fight gun violence, right? It's really worked, huh? Uh, what else? Marriage? What was he stuttering about? Did he impeach twice? Bush? Is that what he said? He's a mess. 
He's a mess. 30 years in government. This is what you get. All right? Bragging about irrelevant, ineffectual garbage. That's what you get. We want citizens. Now, it helps when you get some name recognition. You know what? You've got to be, you have to make an, a, a contribution in your chosen field and then go into politics. Then you might have something to offer the people, or at least you've got a bit of cushion, okay? It makes you less bribable. You know, these career politicians, oh, and especially when they hang out with rich people. Joe Biden has been hanging out with rich people for a very long time. You know, he wasn't always rich, right? You always heard down on his luck story about his dad, this, that, and the other thing, and right? So Joe knows what it's like to sit at the kitchen table and worry about money. Well, what did he do in life that ever got him to a point where he didn't have to worry about money? Hmm? Winning elections? Public service? Politics? That's not supposed to make you rich, but it made Joe Biden rich and his son rich and his brothers rich and his sister rich. Nobody ever talks about his sister, Valerie. Valerie, 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 Valerie Biden. You know, she's run all of Joe Biden's elections, including when he ran for president in 2008. Disastrous run for president in 2008. Um, although a lucky break for him in some ways that he that he lost, that he lost then. I'll, I'll get back to why, um, why it was lucky that he lost in 2008. I'm developing something on that. Uh, what else do we have here? Um... So Eric Adams has made this announcement. Guess what it is? He is just once again wailing about uh, bail reform and Albany needs to do this. Dude, you got 50,000 guys. You've got <laughs> you've got leeway as the mayor of the city of New York. You do. You're not a lobbyist, okay? We already have plenty of those. You are the mayor. Figure it out. Do something. He can't. Doesn't know how. This is what he knows. It's incredible. He became he, all he's been, other than a bad cop. And Curtis Sliwa. By the way, Curtis is amazing. It's really great. You know, I, the other day I was realized this is a, such a cool place to to be. Rudy Giuliani, right down the hall. Uh, on the other end of the hall, uh, Curtis Sliwa. I remember watching TV when I was in fourth grade, seeing Curtis Sliwa on the news. I remember being in um, in ninth grade, seeing the U.S. attorney, the new U.S. attorney, Rudy Giuliani. There had not been a prosecutor or a person of that stature, uh, almost, almost mythal, almost a myth, like a, almost a legend, even when he was forty three years old. Um, he was like Elliot Ness. And now he's here. We're right here. It's just a it's a real gift to be working with these guys. Hey, everything's smoothed over. I know we got into it a little bit about the squeegee guys, but I think the conversation got a little bit carried away. Rudy Giuliani, you know, the, yesterday I gave him a grade as mayor. I said 93%. I have to revise my grade. I would give him a 97%. Because 93 is only an A. 97, A, a is a solid... No, he's an A. He was an A plus mayor, A plus, and saved so many lives. Saved so many lives, especially people of color. 
I could also say the same, by the way, in terms of uh, lives saved. Uh, Mike Bloomberg and Ray Kelly, so proud of uh, of him and what they did with fewer cops, okay, and the constant threat of a terror attack. You know, there was no terrorism in New York City for 12 years. Nobody talks about this because the fake news, uh, well, they don't they don't really have the ability to connect the dots. But there were about a half dozen successful terror attacks under Bill de Blasio in this city. Well, wait a second. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, of course you don't remember. Everybody's brain is different now. We're walking around with these phones. If it didn't happen eight seconds ago, we don't care. We don't remember. And I put myself in this category. You know, it was October of 2017. And uh, the day before, a horrible terror attack on the West Side Highway. Remember that truck that mowed down the bikers? And a crazy Islamic extremist was in the truck and mowed them down, killed them. A lot of them were from Argentina. I think like eight to ten people were killed. Well, I was there the day before running down uh, the West Side Highway there, that path. Three days later, I was back. That's where I used to run. And I had forgotten about it. Oh, yeah, this is where it happened. I saw some. Everybody moves on so damn fast. Uh, There were the bombings in Chelsea. Anybody remember that? No, but they actually happened. There was that axe attack out in Putnam Avenue in uh, in Queens. Does anybody remember that against a police officer? No. These things happened, and they did not happen under Kelly Bloomberg. They made it a priority, and they telegraphed to the world, if you're a terrorist, don't screw with New York. An important message, and it worked. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Speaking of obesity, I am uh, working on my issue, Um, but I need help a little bit from you guys, if you don't mind. Number one, no more bananas. Can we work on the banana situation? Do we really need bananas in the workplace? I can avoid pizza. I can avoid the candy. I can't avoid the bananas. I also can't avoid the trail mix, all right, the peanuts and the raisins and, oh, by the way, little bits of chocolate and little... Peanut butter chips in there makes it totally delicious. Seriously, can we get rid of that? What do you say? I am going to talk to the I'm whoever who's in charge of that. The girl, right? Uh, somebody. I got to yes. talk to them, and I got to make sure no more of that. And I want that thing disposed of. I'm making progress. I went running this morning. I lifted weights. Um, I still got a pretty significant gut on me that I'm working on, and I would really like to make this change, and that would help. Uh, bananas are delicious, but you can't eat uh, you can't eat five of them in one sitting, as I did um, twenty minutes ago. So there's that. I'd appreciate a little bit of cooperation. Uh, the other thing is, gosh, it's it, maybe it's old news now. But I hate to harp on it, or maybe uh, or are people all right? Zawahiri is dead. Just one little thing, one small thing, one one just one little thing. Fox News stinks. Fox News. And listen to their reaction after Zawahiri went down. This Jennifer Griffin is their Pentagon correspondent. Uh, she's been on my uh, do-not-like list for a long time. It started with the when she confirmed, quote-unquote, confirmed the story 
that Donald Trump allegedly called a bunch of veterans losers and suckers. It was such a fake news story. It infuriated me. They put it in the Atlantic magazine. Uh, right time to do maximum damage. The fake news totally runs with it. And at that point, it was the liberal media that was really pushing it. And then Jennifer Griffin says, oh, my sources, who she doesn't name, confirmed the whole story. So it's all true. You don't have to say the Atlantic magazine. She's, they confirmed the whole thing. Um, you have something like that. If you can't put your name to it, it's not a story. It's not a story. These guys were, I mean, no, they lied. They lied. They lied. And she helped them. Fox News. That big act that they like country music and all that stuff. You ever see that little country music plaza thing they have? Oh, yeah, we're just folks. We just love this stuff. No, they don't. They're faking it, every single one of them. All right, now where is this uh, Where is this Jennifer Griffin thing? Oh, yeah, here we go. Is this an appropriate reaction to the death of uh, someone who helped plan the 9-11 attacks? 3,000 people died, 3,000. Cut 43. Remember, Zawahi was one of the most educated Egyptians. He came from an, a very educated Egyptian family. His grandfather was the president of Cairo University, started the first university in Saudi Arabia. He himself was a doctor. He went out to Afghanistan to, uh, to treat Afghan refugees. His life and how he went from such an educated doctor to the world's leading terrorist is really an extraordinary story, but also an extraordinary intelligence coup for the CIA who led this mission and, and pieced this together sure with extraordinary, yeah. exquisite intelligence. Exquisite intelligence. 21 years later, how exquisite can it be? I'm sorry. 21 years later. No, oh, by the way, he may have died two years ago of asthma-related uh, complications. Exquisite. Who cares if he's a doctor? Oh, she was like, did you hear the admiration in her voice? The, there's like admiration. Wait, did you, what, is he a doctor, a PhD, or an MD? What, what? Remember, Zawahi was one of the most educated Egyptians. He came from an, a very educated Egyptian family. His grandfather so was the president what? of Cairo University. Started Yo, Bin Laden's dad was a billionaire. Who cares? The admiration. Hey, it's one thing to list the facts, but it's another thing to be blown away by that. I think she was somehow impressed that the guy, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. How many doctors? A doctor from Egypt. Just like my dog. Who cares? You know, say it as a fact and then move on. She's enamored with it. Um, I wonder. It makes you. It makes me. It makes me think. Oh, this is apropos nothing, but I think it's really one of the greatest fake. One of the worst and therefore greatest fake news moments of all time. A white woman in St. Louis. I'm going to make a feature of this on my Newsmax show. Ten o'clock, by the way. Uh, a white woman. You know, they've been trying to bully uh, folks into voting a certain way, especially white women, actually. You know, if you don't, they've been calling out white women as a group, punishing them for supporting Trump in 2016. And when they do that, you know, you I'm talking to you, you white women. I mean, Tiffany Cross does that. Stephanie Rule does that. They badger white women. And now they even have a word for it. Karen, you're a you're a Karen, which is a beautiful name for them to use it. Oh, it's a it's a, it's it's an entitled white woman. And here's a, a woman who just, you know, these women, it used to be praised, right? Standing up for your rights, not being pushed around, 
being assertive, right? No, 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 no. Don't do that if you're a white woman. No, no, no. You should not be any of those things. You need to listen and stand back. Huh? All right, so here's a white lady. I don't know her name. She's in St. Louis. She lives in a building, you know, like a condominium or an apartment complex, and she has a little key fob to get in. And there's some guy she doesn't recognize who wants to go in behind her. You know, this is how a lot of women get raped, by the way. This is how a lot of burglaries happen, how a lot of people get murdered. You're supposed to have your own key. I've been in a situation where, like, somebody didn't recognize me and I didn't have a key. It's happened to me. And it happened to this guy, some guy. But here's the rub, all right? Here's the thing. She's white, and the guy who feels offended because he doesn't have a key is black. So there's a dispute. The guy takes out his phone, of course, because why try to set, why try to settle something in the moment when you can let the Internet do, you, do it for you? Go viral, show somebody's face, put it online, and let the mob do its work, huh? And let the mainstream media parachute in. David Muir, as we go to break, you got to hear this because it's absolutely surreal. This is national news, the number one news program in the world. Cut 42. The confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. Wow. Wow. What a story, huh? Two people get into a dispute in a vestibule in St. Louis, and it's the number one story in the news. Give me a moment. I'll be right back with a special guest. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we've been having uh, supply chain issues like crazy. You know, it was bad enough when we couldn't get the uh, the Christmas gifts necessarily, or we had to wait online, or you know, just go through all kinds of inconvenience. Then it started to get a bit more serious. Remember the baby formula shortage, which we're not totally out of the woods on yet? Um, that was a bit of a wake-up call. Because imagine if you can't get uh, needed medication, antibiotics. You know, a lot of the pills that we need, that we're prescribed, actually are manufactured in China. And given <laughs> tensions with China lately, who knows how they're going to pay us back for the Nancy Pelosi visit. It's something to think about. Uh, supply chain issues, should they affect the pharmaceutical industry, could be deadly. Now, there is something that you can get that will uh, prepare you for such an eventuality, and I think it's going to happen. It's called uh, the Jace case, J-A-S-E case. It's from Jace Medical. It's a brilliant setup, and uh, this is Dr. Sean Rowland, M.D., he is the founder and CEO of Jace Medical. Doctor, welcome uh, to the show. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Hey, doctors, I'm always impressed. Number one, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. Where are you from? Sure. Well, so I'm a family medicine physician. I uh, practice medicine in Utah, 
um, have practiced you know, all over the country, uh, Connecticut, New York, New Mexico, but uh, Utah is where we call home now. Did you grow up in Utah? Uh, I did. Um, for the most part, grew up in Utah, a little bit in Ohio. Um, my father's a physician as well, so uh, we traveled around for some of his jobs. And um, anybody who can go to medical school, I mean, you guys are you guys are very very small. What where'd you go to medic? Where'd you go to medical school? And besides your father becoming a being a doctor, is there any particular reason why you chose medicine? Man, um, so a lot of it did have to do with my father and just seeing firsthand uh, the impact that he was able to have on, on people's lives and just, you know, be there at their, at their hardest moments. And, and that was something that really attracted me um, to the profession. Um, you know, I, as far as medical school, it was interesting. I, I ended up going down, um, to Mexico, did some of my schooling down there and then came up and finished in New York, uh, New York medical college did my residency in in, uh, in New Mexico, where I was able to do some some border health, which was another uh, really interesting experience. And actually, being down in Mexico as well was just was was very interesting to see other health systems and and how they were run. And um, you know, you hear I think we hear these days some disparaging um, maybe comments made about the U.S. health system, and and it's definitely far from perfect, but. Having experienced other health systems around the world, it's it's. I would definitely prefer to be <laughs> to be in a hospital in the in the states. Yeah, given the choice. Well, Doctor Roland, uh, we're we're grateful for what you came up with because this is this is brilliant and it's really timely. The Jace case, um, and uh, well, number one, look, you invented it. Tell us about it. Then I got a couple of questions. Sure. Well, you kind of hit on it. I, I I'll try and just do just a real quick, um, just in the interest of time. I. I was, as I mentioned before, down kind of on the border, um, practicing medicine in a, in a community hospital. And this was pre-pandemic. We were getting, we would have meetings every every day. The pharmacist would come in, and as a group, they'd let us know, you know, what the plan was for the day. We'd talk about patients. But he would also let us know what kind of uh, medicines and other supplies that were in short supply in the hospital. Um, so back in 2018, 2019, I remember just being struck by this really like what, you know, we're in this, in this top tier health, healthcare system. And you're telling me we don't have some vital medications or at least we're there in short supply. And that caught my attention. So that led me to do some research and, and, and ultimately led to, um, starting Jace Medical and coming up with this, with this kit. And, and the idea is, well, what I learned, first of all, was that when we're talking about the medications that that we use in the U.S., which the vast majority of medications prescribed on a daily basis are generic, we call them generic medications, right? So these are whether it's antibiotics, things for blood pressure, thyroid, diabetes, really the bread and butter of of, of uh, pharmaceuticals in the U in the United States. They are almost wholly produced overseas. And talking specifically with antibiotics, the number of approaches we might as well say 100 percent. So we're what, getting why is that? Why don't we make them here? It, it, why, why do we do anything? It, it, or, or what is the answer to everything, right? It's money. Um, it comes down to the economics. And it comes down to uh, not to, you know, maybe some short-sightedness um, on the part of, of leadership where uh, I think in the interest of money and the pharmaceutical companies, you know, are obviously in business to make money. These generic medications don't have patents. There's not a, a lot of money to be made. You know, they're they're really they're 
it's very cheaply produced. Um, and so it's really, that's what it comes down to. There just isn't, there just isn't, uh, it's not a financially viable model. And the only way to do it would probably be to have some, some government subsidized manufacturing here in the U S um, as, as a means of, of really to protect our national security. Because when you think about how dependent we are, you, you mentioned um, in the lead in here, um, our current relation, relationship with China and, I mean, that's where most of these medications are coming from. Yeah. So, you know, you, people learn that the, 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 our government maintains these massive stockpiles of medications um, in the event of emergencies and specifically for our armed forces. And there are certain medications that are vital for things like bioterror. So this is, it's just crazy to think. We have stockpiles of medications that we're going to give to our soldiers um, in the event of a bioterror attack that are all made from China. And it's just it's 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 kind of crazy. It's and crazy. I don't trust them anymore. I don't trust the communists of China. I just don't. And they could be who knows what they could do to some of this medication. I'm serious. But look, uh, that's possibly another show. In the meantime, we can get this uh, this Jace case. And one thing about this. So this is, a, you know, medications that you can, you know, you'll, you'll have just in case in storage for yourself if there should be a supply chain issue or some sort of global emergency where it would be difficult to get the medications. Uh, let me ask you this. What about the, uh, I mean, that's essentially it, right? Right. Well, I think one thing, it's not just, yes, supply chain, you know, that's what we let off here talking about um, or other disruptions that, you know, some emergency that might happen in some far flung country where these meds are produced. But the truth is that in, in whether this is more likely or not, I, I couldn't say, but certainly just near in your in wherever you're located in the United States, uh, whether you're in an area that's that's prone to earthquakes, to floods, to any kind of natural disaster, disaster any kind of natural. Right. Things, right. All right. But let me jump in. How about this? The prescription, yeah, like a prescription, like I need a prescription for some of these medications. Uh, that's you guys can help with that, right? Or how does that work? Because some of this stuff. And by the way, we may, you know we don't know if we're going to be sick someday. Uh, just tell us th- how that works. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to do you know this. Obviously, the the medical industry is highly regulated, and so we need to do this you know by the numbers and by the book. So it all of these medications do require a prescription. Um, I guess we could say a silver lining of, of COVID was that uh, telemedicine um, really took a leap forward as a result of, of, of COVID, um, both from a regulatory standpoint and just from a, an adoption standpoint for the general public. So we've leveraged that telemedicine as a technology and as an, it allows us to uh, have a patient come to the website, answer the questions, have those questions reviewed by, by a licensed physician, um, who can then um, issue the prescriptions. Those prescriptions go to a pharmacy where we've kind of prearranged special pricing for our patients, and the meds are shipped out. And you get, you know, the whole process. You log on to our website from beginning to end. It takes maybe 10 minutes. Um, and then those medications show up at your door in, in, in a matter of days. I love it. It's a J- I'm looking at the website right now, jacemedical.com, jacemedical.com. Jace is spelled J-A-S-E medical.com, Jace, J-A-S-E. Hey, why Jace? What does that mean? What's a, Is it somebody's initials? What's that all about? Oh, that's a funny one, too. Um, so Jace uh, actually stands, it's an acronym, but it also happens to be uh, the name of our 
of our golden retriever, the family dog. <laughs> but the, the the name itself means in in old English, it's a derivative of uh, an old English word that means healer. And as an acronym, it stands for just antibiotics saved for emergencies. So that's Jace. I love it. And uh, oh, by the way, it rhymes with case. Jace case. <laughs> All right. Well, Jace Medical. Go to jacemedical.com. This is uh, this is something good, actually. This is something valuable. I I don't want I don't want my parents having to worry about going to the pharmacy, you know, with the next terror attack. I just don't want that. And sooner or later, something bad is going to happen. Uh, and it, this is something to that you won't have to worry about if you take care of it now. And it sounds pretty simple. JaceMedical.com. JaceMedical.com. Hey, Dr. Uh, Roland, before you go, uh, what's a little health tip you can give people? Just one little thing we can do today that might help. I love doctors almost always have an answer for this one. Just something you'd recommend, something that people are doing wrong that they could do. Put your Dr. Oz hat. Well, not your Dr. Oz. I don't know how you feel about your poly, about his policy. What's something people can do? Oh, man, you got me on the spot. I mean, I, my mind is here thinking about um, what you mentioned with, with just the importance of, of what we're doing. And I think, um, you know, this is the way I, I, I approach issues with my patients as well. Um, I, I, I don't like to be reactionary um, as far as when it comes to medicine. Obviously, that's, we have to do that sometimes. When sure. someone gets sick, we, we react to it, right? But it's so much better to to get ahead of the problem. Okay. So, you know, whether we're talking about um, being prepared for antibiotics or, or other medicines, it's it's getting this stuff before it's an issue. All right. Just go to, to jacemedical.com. But uh, pre, be proactive. Go to jacemedical.com. But one other thing, like, I don't know, apple a day doesn't have to be like that. What's one little thing? Your last patient, he's not listening. I know you take an oath of secrecy. Okay, skip that. What's one little thing? What are patients coming to you? What's a common complaint that you're hearing? I think I, for me, and, and it's back to that being it's holistic. It's, it's, it's a holistic approach. So I tell my patients, um, especially I think one of the, the more common things is, is is just activity level. Is getting is getting outside, getting wherever you need to get in a gym, in you know, on your treadmill, whatever it is, and just just increasing your activity level. There's so many benefits from health, from blood pressure, from your blood sugar for diabetics, uh, weight issues. There's so much to be gained by by just incremental increases. In whatever you're whatever you're doing now. Just just do a little bit more. If you're doing nothing, then just get off the couch and go for a walk. If you're walking, then maybe turn it into a jog. If you're jogging, maybe run for a little longer. Um, that, that's something that I I'm love it. encouraging my patients to do. I love it. I love it. And you know what? The walking thing, man, I went on a six-mile walk this weekend. It felt terrific. I listened to podcasts the entire way, and it was over perfect. before I knew it. I kind of kept I, – I even wanted to go further because the podcast wasn't done. So anyway, uh, great you stuff. It. You're on it. Thank you, Doctor. Doctor Sean Rowland from Utah. The service go to jacemedical.com, J A S E medical.com, jacemedical.com. Doctor Rowland, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All Appreciate right. It. You bet, you bet. Hey, actually, before we go, Jason has been standing by. Jace, Jason. He's been on the phone for are you can't, oh, oh uh where are you? Jason. Damn it, he put Hello? us on hold. Yes, you're Hello? on the air. 
I just wanted to find out what do you want to say about the Egyptian terrorist? Um, that is that you were, you seem to be you were complaining about they were talking about his education. Yes, as part of the story, it seemed very reverent. It seemed very reverential to me. It seemed over the top. She was like overly impressed that a terrorist had had an education. All kinds of terrorists. Hey, one of the most notorious serial killers in the history of the world, uh, Bundy. He was a lawyer. Uh, we've had uh, doctors who have been serious. I mean, they're all kinds. So I don't know why she was so impressed by that, Jason. Well, I mean, because it's, it's interesting part of the story to become a terrorist. At one point, you were the most educated person in your, I guess, family, whatever, and then you become a terrorist. No, no, no. I think she was overdoing it. It's you know, one thing right? to mention it. No. There was an element of admiration, Jason, that I was getting. And also, I'm sorry, I don't think that the... Uh, well, let's see her again. Where is this girl? Where is she? Jennifer Griffin, uh, where was that? Uh, cut uh, cut uh, 43. Listen to Jason, stand by. I want to play it again. Cut 43. Remember, Zawahi was one of the most educated Egyptians. He came from an, a very educated Egyptian family. His grandfather was the president of Cairo University, started the first university in Saudi Arabia. He himself was a doctor. He went out to Afghanistan to uh, to treat Afghan refugees. His life and how he went from such an educated doctor to the world's leading terrorist is really an extraordinary story. Extraordinary. But also an extraordinary intelligence coup yeah. for the CIA who led this mission and, and pieced this together sure with is. extraordinary, yeah. exquisite <laughs> intelligence. Uh, Jason, I'm sorry. It was like three too many extraordinaries for me. And uh, you can look it up. There are all kinds. Muhammad Atta, I believe, went to college. So what? You mention it and you move on. There was something in her voice that suggested reverence, and I thought it was inappropriate. Well, you know, and now that I hear it again, I hear what you heard. The first time I didn't hear that, I just thought it was a story that she was telling. I didn't think that she was going on and on and on about him being so educated and, you know, whatever. But now that you play it again, I'm almost leaning toward your side. Almost. <laughs> you well, almost got me. Okay. All right. Well, Jason, we you made progress. Me, but, 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 Greg, you don't have me yet. Okay. Well, we're still on the fence. Well, do me a favor. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, Stay tuned. Yeah. Well, you'll, I appreciate it, pal. Thank you very much. Good call. Right. And i got to take a quick break. Uh, I'll be right back. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, uh, where are you going? My wife just came in with a juicy piece of gossip. The neighbor did what? Oh, that's... Oh, gosh. All right. She's... Well. Oh, well. Man, she drops... She's so busy sometimes. She just gave me a juicy... But only half the story. Actually, a tenth of the story. It is nice, though. She drops my lunch off. What do we have here today? Something from Dishes... And I would never have uh, started eating. I would never. I would never have started with the tofu, but tofu, you know, you can flavor it. It's almost like uh, salad. 
It's like uh, lettuce. You know, lettuce is pretty dull on its own, iceberg lettuce, but you put various things in there and you put some dressing on it. Then you're like, wow, I like salad. But do you really like lettuce? It's like tofu is the same way. You got to be careful with what you put on it. All right, tonight, who do I have on the show? Oh, um, interesting story. I could have, should have asked Dr. Roland. Eh, he wouldn't want it. I was. It's kind of political and sensitive, but there's a cancer institute in Washington State, a very reputable one. And when they hire people, whether it's an MD or a secretary or anybody, they want they give them this whole essay about white privilege and how are they anti-racist. You must be anti-racist. Now, that sounds great, right? We're all anti, anti-racist, right? Well, it's, it's a tricky one. Racism is horrible. We don't like racism. But this, they call it anti-racist. It's not enough to be anti-racism. You have to be an anti-racist. And then that's where that whole woke thing kicks in, and it gets very weird very quickly. And it's the kind of, uh, I don't know, the kind of test they would give, I think, in uh, in communist China or in the Soviet Union, you know? How do you conform to our communist ideology? How do you conform to the woke leftist world view? We, you know, it's not enough to be against racism. Everybody's against racism, any decent person. It's the kind of thing you don't ask, quite frankly. It's just an insulting question. I think it raises more questions than the person who's asking it, you know? When did you stop beating your wife type question? Uh, that's that's what it reminds me of. But it's not that. It's the anti-racist Racism, yes. Racist, it's a weird thing. Anti-racist. How to be an anti-racist baby. And part of the thing I think you have to do is acknowledge white privilege and all this crazy stuff. And then it becomes a a very slippery, weirdo ski slope. And you should be very careful. All right. I got to go across the street in a moment. So getting ready for the Newsmax show at 10 p.m. Let me check in with Tom in Queens. Yes. Yo, Tommy, are you there? Tommy, can you hear me? <laughs> Forget it. Marie in Long Branch. Hi. Hi, Craig. This is Marie. You're great. I have been annoyed since I heard the MSC commentator uh, talk about Herschel Walker. And I just think it's uh, interesting that on their side, they have uh, Biden and Harris. Because uh, he speaks about Herschel Walker as being, you know, ignorant, and that's who our party, the Republican Party, likes to have at their head. And here they have Biden and Harris. So that's all. It's just uh, been bugging me all day. Wait a second. Who said what about Herschel Walker? An MSC, uh, MS, uh, NBC commentator talked about Herschel Walker and said the reason uh, he's being supported by the conservatives or Republicans is because he's ignorant and that's who the Republicans like to put up. Sounds like know, a Joe Scarborough. Sounds like a Joe Scarborough thing to say. Probably on his show, but it wasn't him. It was not him. It was a, uh, a black commentator. Michael Steele. Who, I don't think it was Michael Steele either. I know who Michael Steele is, and it wasn't him. I know, I, I know who it was. Know it, his name. It I was Claude. His name. He had prof- he had eyeglasses on, and his name is Claude. He's a professor from Princeton. Was it him? 
just glanced at it. I only heard what he said. All right. Well, you can't be in a bad mood all day long because you heard something nasty on MSNBC. But I thought I'd call you about it. And it occurred to me that they have Biden and Harris running their side of the ticket. So they're going to. They should not be talking about anybody else's ignorance. Exactly. And I don't think Herschel Walker's ignorant. Maybe he doesn't speak the same way as everybody. But, you know, this guy just blasted him and just made it sound terrible. It's a form of classism, by the way, classism. And the elites and their Ivy League degrees and their New Yorker magazine, they play this game. You know, to be in this club, you have to speak this way. And those days are over. That's gone. And... The Founding Fathers actually wanted regular people. I do believe this. Yes, there there is a strain of elitism with them as well. And at times they were afraid of the masses. I think that's one of the reasons why they have the Electoral College, actually. But they wanted they did not envision this permanent governing class. This this swamp. This you go to Congress when you're twenty nine and you and you and you're still there when you're seventy, like Jerry Nadler. Uh, there's something, there's a lot to be said for a stellar achievement in a field and then, and then contributing and then giving back. I like Herschel Walker. I'm anxious to see what happens. Marie, thank you. Russ, Gail, the, the rest, Rachel, April, I'll talk to you guys later. Tonight, Newsmax will uh, take on that crazy Cancer Institute in the Pacific Northwest and some other good stuff. Congratulations to Carrie Lake, hopefully the next governor of Arizona. I'll see you soon. All the best. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.